Something that's made the past year of my life way easier? Being a longtime user of HelloFresh. It's America's number one meal kit for a reason, and now's the best time to find out why. Go to HelloFresh.com Filmcast12 and use code Filmcast12 for 12 free meals, including free shipping. Hello everyone and welcome to the Slash Filmcast. My name is David Chen and the place where I'd like to travel to is Daniel Day Kim's bicep. Joining me today <laughs> is Devendra Hardawar. How, you, you know what? That is exactly where I was going. <laughs> the thing that will save us on this ship is Daniel Day Kim's arms. All hail Daniel Day Kim's arms. Come indeed, on. indeed. And Jeffrey Kanata. And I am the unforeseen extra member that will ruin everything. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Slash Filmcast. Of course, those are references to our main review today, Stowaway, a new film that's on Netflix. Science fiction movie. Uh, a lot to discuss there. Uh, but before we get to that, we also have some what we've been watching for you, some weekly plugs, and a couple of other random bips and bops there. Uh, you can find more episodes of the show at SlashFilmcast.com. Email us at SlashFilmcast at gmail.com. If you want to support the show, it's very easy to do that. All you got to do is go over to patreon.com slash film podcast, where you can sign up for ad-free episodes as well as uh, After Dark episodes that are exclusive to the Patreon. Uh, this week, we got a few interesting topics, but one of them is going to be a discussion of There Is No Eye in Threesome, which is a movie that Dan Gvozdan recommended to us last week. Uh, Dan Gvozdan from The Amazing Spider Talk. Come to think of it, yeah, this this uh, yeah. whole episode is is reckoning with Dan Gavazdin's yes. recommendations. It's Dan Gavazdin, the, the fallout the, of last week, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the fallout of all of Dan Gavazdin's good intentions is uh, <laughs> this this week's episode of the Slash Filmcast. But uh, it was so great to have Dan on last week, and be sure to check out his podcast, the Amazing Spider Talk Podcast. Or I'm sorry, Amazing Spider Talk Podcast. Yeah, either one works. Uh, come, on. Either one, come on, either one, either one. According to my, yeah. you have uh, to buy a whole new URL for this, you know, <laughs> mistake. Indeed, indeed. Okay, uh, so yeah. Uh, uh, there is no I in threesome is going to be the after dark topic amongst a few other topics. Uh, but first, a c- couple of things I want to mention right at the top of the show. Okay. Uh, wait, did you wait? Sorry. Did you mention that that is only for patrons and you can support the show at patreon.com slash film podcast? I think I did mention that it's only for patrons and also that it's for patrons. <laughs> <laughs> did I, was my plosive too plosive? It's pretty, pretty plosive, oh. Jeffrey. Pretty plosive. I just want people to know. Supporting us gets you some good stuff, man. That's I, just what you're saying. I would agree. I would concur with that. I would concur yeah. with that. Uh, include also our patrons voted on what movie we're going to be reviewing next week as well. So yeah. that's another. Yeah, they're Perk. they're dictating the future of the show pretty much. Um, so anyway, uh, one thing I wanted to mention, guys. I don't know if you guys saw this, but Golden Globes be imploding right now. <laughs> uh, the the you hate to see it. Yeah, the biggest domino to drop. I mean, there are two big dominoes that dropped today. One of them was. Tom Cruise said he's giving back his Golden Globes, which... <laughs> and, and you know, he's, he's sprinting to return them as we speak. <laughs> he's just running the whole way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which is just like, okay, cool, cool solidarity, Tom Cruise. I mean, I think there are other insular secretive organizations that he's a no. part of Let's see. that no. might deserve more Tom Cruise more says attention. no to cults. No <laughs> That's to right. cults. Okay. <laughs> Tom Cruise refuses to be part of any organization whose 
rules and beliefs make no sense to anybody. Indeed. That'd be part of your yeah. system. Indeed. Okay? indeed. Uh, but yeah, uh, we'd already seen that Netflix and Amazon had started distancing, some, uh, distancing themselves from the HFPA, which runs the Golden Globes. Uh, today, the biggest news that happened, uh, NBC said, hey, we're not going to air this thing next year, which is... <laughs> huge blow to the oh, uh, the whole entire enterprise. Yeah, they, both of the people that tune in and watch the Golden Globes are going to be pissed. <laughs> it's going to This suck. whole thing is kind of uh, it's kind of delicious to be honest. Like yes. I, I'm just here watching the fallout and loving it because I can imagine like the HFPA people who are just like I imagine a lot of them feel like uh the New Yorker character, you know, just the the lead cartoon dude in New Yorker just hanging around, go on their fancy press tours or whatnot and uh sucking off the teeth of these companies uh these studios their their whole world is imploding right now no yeah. more fancy trips nothing yeah yeah you know uh, what i wasn't on the episode uh that you guys talked about the uh, academy awards this year just a few weeks ago oh yeah um but uh, my sort of general takeaway from these two data points at this at this juncture is I think that awards shows in general are becoming irrelevant sure. and mm-hmm. are just kind of passing into uh, non-essential kind of ignorable status, sure, sure. even among <laughs> cinephiles. I think it, it just it. I don't think that they're they have the cultural relevance they once had. And I don't think people care anymore. Look at you talking about cultural relevance. Yeah. Jeff. I mean, no, nominate Avatar and we're back, baby. We're back. <laughs> um, but I mean, at, at the very least, you could say at least the Oscars has like a certain reputation. Right. And I don't know what the Golden Globes have. What yeah. do the Golden Globes have? No, they you know? ag- yeah. agreed that the Golden Globes were always the also ran that kind of just were a set up for the Academy Awards. But I think mm-hmm. that there's a whole generation of people that just couldn't care less about any either of them. And we're seeing that in the ratings. And I just think that it, it's interesting to me. I mean, I don't mean to, you know, relitigate the Academy Awards. You guys already did a whole episode on it, but um, it's interesting to me that in in sort of my, the field that I've focused on for a lot of years, the video game field, um, you have somebody like Jeff Keighley who's tried so long and so hard to create the quote unquote Academy mm-hmm. Awards for video games. And yeah. it turns out in a remarkable twist of fate that the Academy Awards needs to be more like the Game Awards than the Game Awards needs to be like the Academy Awards, right? The Academy Awards now is like, well, maybe we should put trailers for upcoming movies right. in, in our show. And that's, the you know, the Game Awards is built around that, right? The awards are the mm-hmm. afterthought in the Game Awards and the the real the thing that brings the kids to the yard so to speak is the is the trailers so so what and, you're saying is make it a pure marketing event and uh, I, not I, a celebration of yeah it the seems to have worked pretty well, well for the game yeah. awards so, yeah, it's yeah, definitely so, worked well yeah j- j- so that's a commentary on also the fact that the game awards has grown in yes. popularity mm-hmm. every two year for the last two years intersecting opposite direction lines on the graph of right viewership. whereas academy awards is like falling i i think uh, part of it is definitely how the award, the ceremony is structured, Jeff. I, I agree completely, uh, and it's more of a marketing event uh, in the Game Awards case. But I would also say it has to do with the popularity of video games versus movies. Uh, yeah. And certainly yeah. over the course of the last year, when every, a lot of people, not everyone, but a lot of people have had to stay indoors or been quarantined, uh, the the popularity of those things, those two things has gone in opposite directions as well. So You don't think... Be- I, I- 
I mean, I think well, you make it's, a good... it's also like it's the Game Awards versus E3 and everything, too. Right. Like it is. This is a new way of celebrating the craft versus uh, we're going to have an industry trade show, guys. And uh, I guess you could come if you could afford to come to L.A. Right. Like it is a celebration the way that even the industry can't do it. I do think that that alone is kind of impressive for the Game Awards. Yeah. But Dave, do you really think that movies in general have gotten less popular? I mean, obviously, people can't go to the cinema to see them in the last year or most people couldn't. But I don't know if movies as a mm. as a entertainment medium have actually gotten less that's popular. A good, people- that's a good stat. I'd love to know, like, if we can narrow that down somehow. The, well, I yeah. mean, it, it, it's tough to say because obviously streaming is very popular. Mm-hmm. But even pre-COVID, uh, the number of tickets sold each year has yeah. declined basically every year since 2001. Mm-hmm. And generationally, so, I don't think movies matter as much exactly to right. younger audiences. I exactly think that's like right. the major thing because their attention is all in the games. And not social. saying movies yeah. aren't dead yet, and especially I'll talk about like going to movie theaters this week, and that was awesome. But like, uh, you know, it's it's declining. And mm-hmm. if you look at the graph of like tickets sold, it's not a graph you want to be in the industry for. You know what I mean? Versus uh ps5 units sold you know whatever like it's, right well but yeah. is that yeah. a, is is movie tickets sold the only metric that we can i mean Correct. i think yeah. it's a, it's a it's function a also of the diversification of distribution models you know mm-hmm. like yeah the, it's, the a idea that, it's a good call yeah, yeah. so I, I i think it's it's complicated but what what is clear is that the academy awards is becoming less and less popular and That's the game true. awards are becoming more and more popular right yes. and there's many factors yeah. that lead into both uh and it's interesting to kind of see uh how the the game awards has grown and 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 like you said like academy awards borrowing stuff from the game awards now it's it's fascinating i never thought i'd see the day right i I don't i don't know that they consciously were like oh let's use the thing for the game awards you know i don't think i agree i I don't think it was conscious thing though like just just slap a trailer in there like that's why a lot of people (laughs) watch uh, the super bowl right yeah yeah Yeah. people hype yeah anyway uh the the biggest thing i think the golden globes had going for them was that TV broadcast, like the fact that they're being broadcast, the fact that a lot of people watch it, it gives them the uh, the veneer of respectability. Uh-huh. And now that it's, that's it's gone, it's really a veneer. Yeah. yeah. Now that yeah. that's gone, I don't know what they have yeah. left. So it, it, it's yeah. one of those things. Like looking at the Golden Globes, it's like, I guess if you just act like you're important, right? And this <laughs> yes. is like a good lesson for life. Just just act like you're what actually do you think a big film deal. cast is Devendra. Yeah. What the do you golden, think we're, we're the golden <laughs> film cast, is what yeah. we are. We're the golden shower film. I mean, golden film cast. <laughs> Um, so the other thing I want to mention, uh, is, oh yeah, just to add on is that, uh, NBC has basically said, we're not going to air you in 2022, but if you make changes to your organization to make it more diverse and more equitable, then maybe in 2023, it's all going to go back to normal. I am going to bet that it's probably not going to go back to the way it was, is my guess. Uh, but we'll yeah. see. We'll see. That, but they have said that that's their plan. A lot is, a lot can happen in a year though. Just look at the past year. So we'll see. Uh, I wanted to read an email that we got from Andy, who writes into slash from Uh This is about the show Line of Duty that Jeff mentioned last week. Oh, so many emails <laughs> oh, and tweets I've gotten about this, by the way. Go ahead. So uh, Andy writes in, quote, the negativity at the final episode of Line of Duty is highly overblown. The journey is definitely worth it. The first season is actually one of the weak ones. Second season, the best. Third and fourth, very enjoyable. And five and six offered degree of resolution. I understand the disappointment, but the conclusion of every season is somewhat of a letdown. And re- in reality, it may not be the end, though I'd be very satisfied if it were. Uh, Andy's talking about like potential future seasons. Each season is fairly self-contained, but highly recommend two, three, and four. 
thought the sixth or final season was an improvement on the fifth. Its narrative failures are not in the Game of Thrones ballpark. The suspensions of disbelief asked of the audience are largely fun, but similar to Game of Thrones, perhaps take the final two seasons as a piece to be watched or not, depending on your enjoyment up to season four. I still highly recommend, end quote. That comes from Andy writing it slash from gmail.com. So I got a lot of that. I got a lot of that, Dave. I got a lot. I got a lot. Every, everybody, there seems to be universal agreement that it's worth watching at least the first three seasons and that uh, most people say uh, the, the finale that just aired that you pooped on um what wasn't as bad as as perhaps the press around it might lead you to believe or the hubbub i should say around it um and uh, sean the cabbie who (laughs) is the uh, the originator of all this this entire fiasco uh (laughs) he wrote me to say uh he was delighted that we discussed it and also that uh, he he heard that there's going to be a seventh season, so it's not even the series finale. Oh, okay. So yeah, and you know what, Jeff? All these emails and I, I got messages. My uh, one of my colleagues, uh, Jonah Robinson, said uh, I should check out the show. You know, so like um, uh, I, I will try to check out the show. How did you stream it, Jeff? It's on Hulu. Hulu. It's on, Line, yeah, of, Line yeah. of Duty is on Hulu. So and you know the crazy. <laughs> I love how you say it. Uh, duty. <laughs> no, there's no you, no liquid you though, Dave. You got to do duty, duty, liquid. I, you. I don't want it to be. I don't want to say duty. You know, because yeah, I think you don't want to say. Du- that's why you have to do the liquid you. You say duty, 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 duty. 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 Yeah. The duke, the duke pukes, but the duke pukes. Um. So, <laughs> is that a real? Is that a real say? Yeah, it's what you learn in acting school. You don't. You don't uh, say. Uh, you don't say Duke. The Duke. You say the Duke. Because well, the Duke uh, pukes, yeah. but the Duke pukes. If you um, were in the Maribis town, you would say Duke. Yeah, <laughs> right. It makes no sense to say the Duke pukes, right? That's what the whole point yeah, is to say. It makes no sense. It. You say the Duke pukes. Um, <laughs> Where were we? What were we I wanted about? to say. I wanted to say that having uh, finished season one of uh, Line of Duty, there is no. Uh, there's no spoiler to to this, but I will say I was surprised knowing the show goes on for six seasons. To, to find that at the end of season one, the end, the end of season one, uh, the last thing that happens is it does that thing that movies do where it sh- shows text on the screen to tell you what eventually happens to all oh these people. Oh my god! Oh, right. So weird, right? P- like they clearly, Shyamalan. Well, they clearly didn't think they were getting any more seasons, right? Because they, they're like, <laughs> we've seen our show. Yeah, we don't know if we're going to stick around. Here's what here's what happened. All these. It's like one of those, you know. Uh, and then he uh, went on to uh, found uh, the university. And, are the you know, uh, are the next seasons just like whole other things? Is that how I it haven't goes? I haven't started yeah. season two yet, so I don't even know that. But I just thought it was very funny that. Uh, the, you know, here's I'm like excited about, you know, there's five more seasons to watch. And then the season ends and it's like this person went on to do this and this yeah. this happened or this never happened. Yeah. Or it's like, Dewey, what? Dewey Cox died three minutes after his final performance, basically. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. uh, OK, so, so, Jeff, we really need to talk about this. We need to have this out of the show here, Jeff, because on multiple occasions, <laughs> on multiple occasions, I have tried to warn you off of something. Yes. I've tried to say, like, hey, I've heard this is bad. This has a bad reputation. Yeah. I've heard this is bad. Don't watch this. And I think specifically for Jeff, it is probably a, a good thing because you well, don't see the marketing stuff. You can't watch stuff, the trailers. Yeah. Okay, so, yeah, you don't watch the trailers. You stay so, away from hype. You know? Yeah, but, so, but, yeah. but, but the, the reaction I get almost always is never, oh, thank you, David, so much for trying to safeguard <laughs> my most valuable asset, my time. Uh-huh, uh-huh. It is incredible resentment and bitterness. <laughs> yeah. And just yeah, like you keep just doing like it. Toxic, <laughs> you keep doing it. Just like toxic like 
this effing guy. I can't believe he's effing telling me not to watch this thing. And I'm just like, oh, okay, so should I not give a shit about your, well, your time? Like, what, it never what, what would you have me do, Jeff? What would you tell me? Okay. Just tell me what to do, and I'm gonna do it. <laughs> first of all, first of all, I wanna, I wanna, I, I wanna come up with another instance of this so I can have another moment in my head because I'm not remembering another instance, but I'm sure there's many. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, I will say a, a, an that- instance happened this morning on text. But yes, okay. Anyway, it's okay. We don't need we don't need to say what was specifically discussed. But I, yeah, okay, go ahead. It never feels like you're leaping in front of the bullet for me, Dave. It, Re- it, it feels like you're gleefully destroying something because it's not like, <laughs> hey, hey, uh, you know, I, uh, I I was thinking about watching the thing. Oh, I heard that was bad. It's more like I'm three episodes in and this is amazing. And then it's like, ooh, guess what? I get to tell you. <laughs> So I see, Sorry, I see. So, buddy. So it's less of the act of conveying the information and more of the tone. Is, it feels, what it sounds it like. feels the gleeful like dancing. Yeah, you're there's no crushing yeah. the joy rather than preserving <laughs> the time commitment. You know, there is it, no. First of all, I think for me, maybe those two things are the same act. <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? We know. So, we know. But but secondly, you know how how should I phrase it? What's a, what's a good phrasing? No, no, to, it's, to I don't think you. I don't think your phrasing was flawed. I just think. Uh, how, how do I convey to you that it's not about me having like experiencing pleasure taking away Jeff's joy, which I don't. I experience none of. Well, okay? let's flip this. Let's none flip of. this. Let's flip this uh, around and, yeah. and ask this question. Yes. If if you were, let's say, you were starting on Game of Thrones. Yes. And I had finished it. Yes. And you didn't know anything about correct the ending. Would you, and you're like two episodes or whatever, you know, yes. halfway through season one, and you're like, this show is phenomenal. I'm with you. And, and then, do would you want me to say what you said, which is the ending is widely regarded as one of the biggest letdowns in the history of television. 100% yes. I would not, not, not only do I want you to say that, I would like get down on my metaphorical <laughs> knees and thank you for saving me from wasting this, 50 so hours. Wait, this so, wait, by so, the way. No, so wait, so just real quick, Devinder. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. you are, you are <laughs> few episodes in, yep. loving it. Yep. You're loving it. Yep. You will immediately stop. Yep. There's too many other things out there that I got to do. I'm yeah, a busy guy, so... Jeff. We're all busy dudes. We've, uh, so, we've so had me, this discussion before, by the way. Like, I think this comes down to how important we think endings are, right? right? And yeah. how True. important, like, yeah. do you think the ending yeah. ruins something that is yeah. 95% great, which I think is garbage? Like, I, <laughs> the journey is it for me. Like, I'm here for the journey. And uh, I, I hope landing, endings kind of land it, but they don't always do it. And the journey, you know, is the thing I appreciate more than anything. But uh, we've talked about this, Dave. I think you, uh, yeah, you think well, I'm exactly also the this, opposite. I'm also going to yeah. say this, that with, with Game of Thrones example, I think is a little bit different because that was such a cultural force and a huge, like I watched and every it was episode, great. did, did it a podcast great about it. Yeah, for a and, while. And exactly. Yeah. It, was great. It, was, it was one of the best things on TV for years. And also, like, I made a lot of connections. Uh, I uh, made friends and mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. made money off of podcasting yeah. about games. You know, like, so there's a lot of, like, benefits that accrued to me for mm-hmm. uh, talking about the show as the show went on that maybe wouldn't be present if, if society has already moved on from it, right? So, mm-hmm. so, so that's just another, like, external factor to this equation. But in general, Jeff... Uh, I would yes, I'm fine with that. I want you to do that. And and by the way, it's not just 
hey, Jeff, I saw this and I didn't like it. I, I don't think I would say that. I think it's more like my, my perception of like the online, you know, viewership as a whole and what they thought of it that I would convey to you, right? If you're if yeah. you're just like if I was just like, oh, Jeff, I saw the end of Line of Duty and I hated it. Like that's just like that's I, I don't really want to do that. But if I'm like, hey, I saw like a thousand people said they hated it, you know, like that that's more worth conveying. So. In short, Jeff, I would never say to you what I wouldn't want you to say to me. You know what I mean? I'm yeah, going to remember that. this. Yeah. I'm yeah. going to remember this just for future <laughs> reference. Surely yeah. this Devindra, will come back to bite me. Devendra, <laughs> your, your, your stance is, I don't care what people think about the ending. I'm enjoying the ride, so I'm going to continue the if ride. I, if, I, if I know enough, like the buzz around, especially Line of Duty, is a show that, yeah, there, there are some really high moments. Like It seems yeah. like it is worth watching several seasons of that show, and I'll probably, you know, I'll probably end up doing that. If it all goes to shit, like that doesn't, okay, that's a good warning, I guess. Like maybe I won't like blast through it super quickly, but I don't, that won't stop me if I'm liking the show, you know? Yeah, I think that perhaps the reason that I have not heeded your warnings in the past, Dave, <laughs> is that- Other than your general disrespect of my opinions, yeah. Yep. Oh yeah, yeah, there's that. Yeah, there's but, that. But um, the, I think that I, I like having my expectations tempered. Mm-hmm. In the sense that, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, okay, well, get ready because you might, a lot of people got disappointed. But I, if I'm loving something, I want, and, and I think this kind of comes down to the uh, the Unsullied thing, too. Yeah, it, it, yeah. It's related tangentially, is I want to have the experience myself. <laughs> it is literally clashing life philosophies, by the way. Like, yeah. this is what's happening here. Yeah. yeah. Okay, okay, I get it. I want to okay, so make the determination. Like, I, I, I kind of bristle at the everybody has decided that it's this way thing. And... I kind of want to make that determination myself. Now, I, I and you I'm really make that easy on yourself, Jeff, by eschewing <laughs> every yeah. sort of marketing, media, yeah. and trailers yeah. and buzz. Oh, yeah. It leads to a lot of wasted time and agony on my part, uh, and I will freely admit that. But, um, but I, I know I'm. I kind of value that, and and I've often come to the you know the opposite conclusion to the masses you know i've often i've often i've often had that experience and i think it's played out on this show a number of times too where i come to you guys or i'll text you guys something like oh my god you guys this was so cool and you'll both be like what did you watch everybody (laughs) thinks this is terrible and i'm like no but i liked it um and and so i i I'm always guess I'm holding out a little bit for that, it, got especially it. if I've already experienced a bit of something and I'm digging it, you know? Got it, got it. Okay, okay. I, I, but I, but I, I don't it. want you to hold back. I appreciate You, you just issued two contradictory directives. Yes. No, I know. But now I feel bad <laughs> a little bit. No, it's I appreciate cool. It's your cool, man. Heartfelt... I, I will just don't don't warn Jeff if something is going to be terrible. <laughs> don't warn Jeff. Don't warn Jeff. Jeff. Don't Dave warn just Jeff. gets real quiet. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, Unsullied. You got to take Unsullied all the way. Jeff yeah, is yeah, yeah. Be Unsullied. And that's fine. Yeah. That's fine. I'll work on it, Jeff. I'll work on it. All right. That's I don't my, need you that's to work my on it. You. You're doing great. You're doing great. <laughs> all right. All right. Hey, it's Jeff jumping in here to tell you about our sponsor, Quip. You've heard me talk about my Quip. Toothbrushes. That's right, plural. I own four in this household of mine. I love my Quip toothbrush. But let me tell you about gum. Gum. Gum is something people chew as a way to relieve stress, curb appetites, and most importantly, freshen breath. But many people don't realize that gum can also be an integral part of a healthy oral care routine. That's right. Quip has already reinvented the toothbrush for the modern age, as I mentioned. I love my Quip toothbrushes. Oh, I love them. 
But now they've done it again, and this time it's for chewing gum. Well, they've launched a new gum that's actually good for your oral health and comes with a dispenser that'll remind you of the one-click candy that you loved as a kid. I love the little dispenser. It's pretty slick, and it looks cool, too. It looks space-age and awesome, like all the Quip products. That's why I love Quip. It, it, it feels like a grown-up toothbrush. It feels like a, a piece of technology. And Quip gum can help prevent cavities and freshen breath when chewed for 20 minutes after eating. It's sugar-free and has tooth-friendly xylitol with zero calories. And to satisfy your taste buds, Quip has added a long-lasting mint flavor, crunchy, tri-layer design, and stamped it all with the classic Quip tongue. The slim, travel-ready dispenser, available in five colors, metal or plastic, packs and protects up to 10 gum pieces at a time and fits in just about any purse or pocket for on the go. And in a world where we all need to be extra safe and hygienic, the quick release button means you can still share you with your friends. No wrappers, no hands, no hassles. Add a gum refill plan for a gift that keeps on giving all year round. Quip's customizable subscription lets you chew and share at your own pace and not worry about running out. Plus, the more you buy, the more you save with bulk discounts on extra gum packs. It's not a substitute for brushing and flossing, but this is a great support for your oral health. Pair it with a Quip electric toothbrush for adults or kids, refillable floss, and more great products. In addition to gum packs, Quip also delivers fresh brush heads, floss, and toothpaste refills every three months from five bucks. Shipping is free so you can save money and skip the misery of in-store shopping. Spread good oral health habits and join the over five million mouths already using Quip. Get chewing for less than $2 per gum pack. And if you go to getquip.com slash filmcast right now, you can get a free plastic dispenser with any refill plan. That's a free dispenser at getquip.com slash filmcast. Spelled G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash F-I-L-M-C-A-S-T. You can also find the Quip electric toothbrush, refillable floss, and more in the oral care aisle at your local Walmart. Quip, the good habits company. Well, let's get to what we've been watching, guys. I had a chance to watch a movie in theaters this week, and it was... It must be an incredible film, Dave. Like, it must be something you've waited years to see on the big screen, <laughs> or one of your favorite films of all time, right? Like like I did with Scott Pilgrim, right? Right? I mean, it, it, let's just put it this way. It was a movie where I kept waiting the whole time, is there going to be some really terrible, <laughs> cringeworthy anti-Asian racism in this movie? Uh, and when I got to the end and there wasn't, I let out a huge sigh of relief. All right. <laughs> because... Uh, that definitely was present in his last movie. Uh, but the movie we're talking about, of course, is Guy Ritchie's Wrath of Man. Thank you, Devendra. Um, and by the way, I should point out before we get to what we've been watching that you can always use hashtag slash tag to recommend things that we should be watching. So feel free to use hashtag slash tag on Twitter if you want to point something out that you want us to watch or uh, if you want to check out what people are recommending to us. So I had a chance to see Wrath of Man in theaters at AMC. We rented out a whole theater and got together with some vaxxed friends to watch Wrath of Man. I'm not yet comfortable, and we'll, we'll talk about this later uh -huh, in the After Dark, uh -huh. but I'm not yet comfortable uh, packing it into theaters uh, with how, a bunch how, of strangers. How much, by the way, did Wrath of Man cost you? Like, if you actually got the whole theater, how much did it personally cost you to see this movie? Uh, $250. <laughs> not, I'm not going to lie. Uh, you, that, you can is, uh, look that is clearly some wrath right there. <laughs> like, it was really the man that was the most expensive part of it. It's a wrap on a man's wallet, yeah. But what, uh, what was it like, Dave? You, you're you're strolling. I mean, Devinder kind of told us about going to see Scott Pro mm -hmm, yeah. program and that experience of re-entering the cinema. Yeah. 
Did it what, did it feel good to sort of be back? I had so many emotions, Jeff. I'm not going to lie. First of all, I saw it at a mall called Pacific Place. And Pacific Place underwent a massive renovation uh-huh. like around the time that COVID began. Is that the but place then, with Din Tai Fung? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, but then yeah. like a ton of the stores in Pacific Place closed down because of the pandemic. Mm. So I'm walking through Pacific Place, the enti- like virtually like 90% of the stores are closed as I'm walking into this place. So it's like I'm walking into like a ghost mall, basically. It's very eerie. Oh, man. Every mall right now is kind of a ghost mall because I've yeah. gone through a couple. But yeah. Wait, important question, by the way. Is Din Tai Fung still open? It is. It is. Oh, right. um, okay. in, and and indoor dining world. is open at some percentage of capacity at this point in Seattle right now. And so uh, so I'm walking through this eerie ghost mall to get to the thing. And knowing, by the way, that the movie we're going to see is Wrath of Man, which, by the way, had a very polarized reaction. Online. Yeah, I like, I've seen. I, I, I was actually surprised at how polarized. Like, it wasn't just like, oh, this movie's okay. It was Some people were like, this movie effing sucks. And some people said, this is great, right? I so read your tweets about it and I, was very confused. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's fair enough. Um, it was like my anti line of duty tweets, basically. Um, <laughs> so th- then I we go into the theater and uh, and I was just very very excited because you know I used to go to the theater once one to three times per week pre COVID, right? And just, mm-hmm, just being mm-hmm. in there felt awesome, you know, to just like be in the theater yeah. and like and then. Nuvi came up, the pre-movie show <laughs> yeah. with Maria Menounos. Gotta love it. And I was just so I've never been more excited in my life to see Maria Menounos. Uh, and <laughs> it's like those, that thing in movies where you think she's talking right to you, right? Yes. Like when I'm you're like, sitting oh, there. Maria, Maria, it's been so long since we've seen each other. <laughs> and I was so happy. And then uh, there was a bunch of trailers that I studiously avoided watching. And I'm like, man, I miss this. Mm-hmm. This is a and fun you walk thing. right back out of that theater. <laughs> walk yeah. right back out. Uh, but yeah, just seeing it in the theater, like just just the aesthetics of seeing it on a big screen with a really loud sound, and knowing there's other people in the theater that uh, people I care about in the theater enjoying it with me. Uh, it felt great, guys. It felt awesome, and uh, it's not something I'm going to do every week, obviously, because it's not economically sustainable. <laughs> Um, but you're it, single-handedly going to keep the Pacific <laughs> Theater alive. <laughs> yeah, uh, but we don't get a Wrath of Man every week. So yeah, that's yeah, I can't, Wrath of Man is a weekly show. Yeah, but I uh, I had a great time. And okay, so the experience of going back to theaters was awesome. And I'm just like, you know what, I, guys, I remember why we started this whole podcast in the first place. Yeah, basically, pretty good. Turns yeah, out, yeah. Uh, so on to the movie itself. Uh, this movie is awesome. <laughs> I loved it. I, I cannot wait to see it. Yeah. It is the way I would describe it is it is Guy Ritchie's Den of Thieves, oh, which yep. is itself Den of Thieves is itself a brazen ripoff of Heat, right? <laughs> uh, and so I really enjoyed Den of Thieves. It is corny as hell. The problem the problem with Wrath of Man is it is completely humorless. Like there, it's not Den of Thieves. I think like knows what it is and is kind of winking and nodding and having fun with itself. Wrath of Man has none of that. It's <laughs> it's ultra serious, um, but it it does have some great things. It has a great cast, uh, dude. Uh, Devinder, your dude, your guy, Holt Don't call uh, him McCallany. My guy. Yeah, Holt McCallany. I love. Holt McCallany. Uh, I- Love him, love him, love him and everything. I also guy, see Jeffrey Donovan is in it, which uh, don't call Donovan. him my guy. I had yeah. just watched another movie on Hulu called Villains. Yeah. That had Jeffrey Donovan in it. <laughs> Jeffrey Donovan has one like acting expression. 
I kind of love it when it fits into things. Yeah. Do you know Isn't who he, he's an invincible too? He's a voice in invincible. Yeah, yeah, he is. He was uh, Josh Brolin's buddy in Sicario. That's what I first was yes. really knew him from. Yes. But Jeffrey Donovan's in Wrath of Man. So the cast in Wrath of Man is awesome. And I mean, when when I watch a Jason Statham movie, really what I want to watch is Jason Statham being a badass. Yeah. And this Jason movie, Statham with Guy Ritchie, the guy who made Jason Statham. Yes. You know, back together. It's beautiful. This movie completely delivers on that. Like, mm. if you are looking for Jason Statham being a badass, this movie has that. It is also incredibly pretentious. What do I mean when I say pretentious? It has a really artsy opening credit sequence, uh-huh. and then there are chapter titles. It insists there's upon cha- itself. There's yeah. chapter titles like, Scorch the Earth is a chapter <laughs> title, you know? Or A uh, Dark Soul is a chapter title. I just title. saw that in a, like, in a superhero movie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, it's like, ah, okay, um, whatever, like... I think that the it, it's a little bit up its own ass, but I had a great time. It was it's also like a great movie to watch. Let's just say, just be clear, it's a great movie to watch in theaters too. Like it has mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, the visuals and the sound that kind of demand a theatrical experience, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, I, I had so much fun with this movie, and I'm actually a little baffled at like the polarized reactions. People really like love or hate this movie. Um, but I had a great time. Uh, have you got? Have you guys seen Den of Thieves by the by any chance? I have not. No, but I've None heard like good Den? things. I really okay, so need to. See I, I would yeah. definitely watch Den of Thieves before you watch this, <laughs> especially because Den of Thieves is available freely right now. Because Den of Thieves is like a lot of fun, and this movie is like Den of Thieves but without the fun and with it's more. Why would, I, why would I watch movies. the less fun movie first? You know. Less, yeah, that's what, I'm, that's what I'm saying. Watch Den of Thieves first because it's available. The more fun. Why movie. would yeah. I do that though? It's oh, the more I see, fun movie. I see. Yeah, it yeah, it yeah, would yeah. make this one seem less. You know. Yeah. Fun. It's true. It's true. Yeah, you're right. Maybe go with this first. Okay, Jeff, yeah. what were you gonna say? I, I was just surprised because I I always feel like Guy Ritchie movies have a sense of humor, or you know, they're always right, sort of right. wink, wink, nudge, nudging. It's true. And... It's true. His movies have really been all over the place recently. <laughs> Between <laughs> Aladdin, The Gentleman, and this. It's definitely been all over the place. I mean, this is way more on the gentleman side, but it's way less fun than even the gentleman. But like the, the gentleman, gentleman is, knows that it's being cheeky. Yeah, you know? the gentleman's like wacky movie, and and yeah. this and it, it knew it, and it was really embraced that. This movie is not that at all. He really tries mm. to do something very dark in this movie. Well, he's like, and, if that guy can make the Joker, you know, I can I can really elevate my art form here. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, I think the problem with this movie, uh, you know, one of the, uh, the other problems with the movie, it's not, it's not really about anything. You know what I mean? Like, it's not about revenge or vengeance or anything like that. It's just, it's just a really good genre exercise. It's, re- it's just like, hey, here's a, here's a Jason Statham involved in this uh, kind of action thriller and bank heists are somehow involved in ways right, that I'm not going right. to make clear to you. Oh, also, that's another thing. The trailer for this movie gives everything away. I watched the trailer after I got home, and th- this is one of those trailers, Devinder, where it's like, wow, like it really, yeah, yeah, it really tells you the whole story of the movie. Um, so if you haven't seen the trailer for Wrath of Man, uh, avoid it, and then go check out the movie. I-, I had a great time with it. I'm looking forward to when you guys have a chance to watch it and we can talk about it. But uh, it's not that I couldn't imagine a better film to go back to theaters with. I definitely could, but this is a solid reentry plan for me mm-hmm. and going back to theaters. So. Great. 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 Yeah. So that's Wrath of Man. It's out in theaters right now. It's the new Guy Ritchie movie. I've also been watching Mayor of Easttown, this new series on HBO Max starring Kate Winslet. Oh, yeah. It, this is the... Mm-hmm. Um, she's like a detective type of deal. She's a it's Philadelphia it's her detective. cop show. Yeah. 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 Uh, episode four just aired. And I think there's two or three more episodes left. It's, it's more than half over at this point. Mm-hmm. 
And I, we have seen a wide variety of HBO kind of limited series procedural slash drama slash thrillers. Of extremely this template, yeah. Yes, yeah. of extremely high variety of quality, too. Mm-hmm. I would say on the higher end, I would put something like uh, The Night Of or uh, The Outsider. Right, I would say mm-hmm. like those are pretty solid, and even those, both of those, yeah. I would say didn't quite stick the landing for me. I would say, by the way, on the high end is Sharp Objects, which you still have not seen, and it kills me. Yeah, I saw the pilot, yeah. and I yep. I heard yep. it wasn't good. I, I heard from a Dave Chen esque figure that it wasn't good, <laughs> so I decided not to check out the rest so of it. You, but, you took that joy out of your life immediately. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, Mayor of Easttown, I would say is uh, so. In the, on the low end, I would say is uh, the Undoing, which is like one of the worst things I've seen. Um, sure. very, very bad and completely pointless. This one, I would say, tr- trends in the mid to high end of these limited series. Uh, I would say pretty solid so far, but of course the ending could quickly reveal everything to be very silly. But yeah, I- I'm enjoying it so far. It's fairly rote and predictable, but you get to see Kate Winslet kind of uh, doing a great job as this tortured detective and really kind of slumming it yeah, as yeah. uh is her yeah. family life a mess yes her family life would is you she, would you believe yeah. that her family life is a mess and that she uses work to try to yeah. uh process and and uh, redeem herself in some way too much alcohol. in a detective yeah. show i know mm. it's so bizarre uh but yeah i mean it, these shows are, are are kind of predictable i was watching an episode with my wife and she literally says out loud Okay, this is the part where so and so confesses that they have a terrible secret, and yes. then literally, like the moment after that, the character said, "I have a secret," you know, I'm like <laughs> about like Are the person you psychic? Who died, about the person who died, and it's just like it is a very predictable kind of show. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Uh, the production values are good. Uh, Kate Winslet's great. Evan Peters is kind of miscast, I think, in the show uh, as like kind of this young detective figure who kind of befriends Kate Winslet's character. But there's enough here that I'm going to keep watching to the end. Devinkra, you've been watching some of the show as well. What do you think? I watched. So I watched the first episode, actually. And, you know, it just felt so familiar. And yeah. I think the thing is, um, I'm comparing a lot of these shows, especially the ones involved, you know, cops and a murder or something happening, probably to Sharp Objects right now, because I loved that series i think that series did a great job of establishing its setting the mystery was really cool uh the mood of it it was just like great southern gothic type stuff um and talk about an ending i will say the ending to sharp objects which if you haven't been spoiled yet please try to avoid it um chills me it is a moment i think about often Mm. Also because of how well executed it was within the show. And it was genuinely surprising too. Like it, it was just like everything hitting all at once, but also like, yeah, great, great cast. You know, uh, it was Amy Adams in that one um, who I thought was a lot more compelling right now than Kate Winslet is, which is just like, it does. It just feels like slumming it. It feels like <laughs> Kate Winslet. Okay. You know, I'm just, I'm going to be a shabby cop. I'm going to, you know, Oh, my, my ex-husband lives across the street. That's hilarious. That's like a sitcom thing. Um, it is, I was watching it with my wife and she was like, this is just one of the most depressing things I've ever seen. It is right. Because it's, it's it just like depressing. gray, Philad- it's gray Pittsburgh or Pennsylvania, right? Somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Because as basically as the show progresses, you learn more about each one of their lives. Like there, there's like, you know, I got to say probably yeah. 15 characters on this show. And as the show progresses, you learn about like 
all of their tragic backstories. Like everyone has a tragic and extremely tragic. sad backstory. And I'm, you know, four episodes in, I'm just like, this is just so sad. It's like, it's not... There's there's one character they introduce in the pilot who's just like a young girl who exists to have her life be shitty. Like that is, <laughs> that just feels like, oh yeah. man, her, her baby daddy's a piece of shit. The guy, she, I think it's her stepdad or something is garbage. Yeah. People are beating her up. Um, it is, I just like, oh, I don't, why am I watching this? Yeah. This is a, this is the thing where I'm like, this journey seems bad. I don't <laughs> want to go this. I don't care what the ending is because it's like, I don't want to put myself more through this. It's one of those, it's one of those shows I may go back to if, um, you know, I'm just kind of bored and I want like another cop thing around, but I don't, I don't think I'm going to go back to it. It just feels like I would rather rewatch Sharp Objects and, you know, be in that world again and that aesthetic because that was also a show that was like incredibly well-directed and so stylish and so like cool. There's just so much to it. Whereas this one is very, it is very matter of fact. It's very yeah. gray. You're in Pennsylvania. It's kind of a shitty town. It's uh, it, it's so it's, bad it's that not, it's not very fun. I'll say, I'll not say, it's not fun. very fun. But you know, uh, I, I will say this. Uh, my wife had some health issues that I'm not going to get mm. into on the show, and this was the perfect show for her to watch while she was recovering. Are you? <laughs> Which, she, could she just not escape? From you forcing her to watch the show is that more? Like it? <laughs> I think uh, I think it's just more like, hey, this is something that's very it doesn't demand very much, you know. It, yeah. It's uh, fairly predictable and it's like mildly interesting, and so it was good enough. It was good enough. So anyway, uh, that is Mayor of Easttown. I don't know if that is appealing to anyone <laughs> at all, but uh, oh, <laughs> guy Jeff, Pierce is in the show. You know, I didn't convince you to watch it. I should point out, by the way, I mentioned The Outsider and uh, Night Of. I would say those shows uh, we had problems with, by the way. Oh yeah, huge yeah. problem, huge problems. I would say those are kind of like, that's about where you top out in terms of kind of police procedural uh, uh, limited series. In terms of HBO limited series that are like excellent, though, there's uh, I would say Chernobyl is probably yes, like my favorite yes. HBO limited series of all time. Um, and uh, you got Watchmen and I May Destroy You on there as well. Those are really solid. What about, sure. uh, really what about that? What the heck was it called? Show um, Me a Hero was really good. Oh, nobody uh, talked uh, about it. Yeah. Danamora. Um, Escape, that's uh, Showtime, Jeff. Is that Showtime? Mm -hmm. Are you yeah. sure? Yeah. Yep. Pretty sure. Yeah. Okay. Escape from Danamora. Showtime. That's why I haven't seen it yet. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but that was great, too. That was great, too. Jeff, have you seen um, Chernobyl yet? I have not. I have you not. May, you may want to just want to wait on that one, buddy. Yeah, yeah you would. I know. You it would love so that depressing. one. I, I think you would really like it, though, Jeff. Not, it, I would say not at this moment. It is. <laughs> oof. It is a brilliant yeah. piece of work. It's. Yeah. It's. It was it, it, ridiculously good, in my opinion. Ridiculously, ridiculously yeah. good. Yeah. It's really yeah. good. Um. Anyway, uh, speaking of something that's not Chernobyl, Mayor of Easttown. It's on HBO Max right now, and uh, I've been watching through episode four. Devendra, hit us up with what you've been watching. Uh, I've been checking out Demon Slayer, which is an anime series uh, that is now on Netflix, I believe. Um, it is uh, it is very much a uh, a shonen anime series, so it's like one of those fighty ones, kind of like Dragon Ball or Rurouni Kenshin or something. This one's about a young boy whose family is brutally murdered by monsters by a demon and his sister becomes a demon and it is life it is his life's goal to kind of heal his sister and also become a demon slayer it's right there in the title um this is a fun show i'm really i'm really digging it i'm mainly watching it because that movie there's a demon slayer movie that's currently in theaters and i'm thinking 
I would really love to see like a beautifully animated, you know, anime film on the big screen soon. So I'm like halfway through at this point, I think I'm trying to finish it before that thing leaves theaters just because I love the experience of watching well done animation on theater screens. I think one of my um, one of my favorite revival screenings of the last like five years, I saw Akira at the Brooklyn Academy of Music and just animation is special to me. But on a big screen, like especially a movie like Akira that is so smooth and you can you can just see like the effort. They put they put into like every single frame of that animation because that was also I believe that was animated for like every frame. Like it wasn't even animated at 12 frames you know, per second, like a lot of things. It was 24. So it's so smooth. It looks so much better than like most things these days. And um, this show is a lot of fun. I like the fights. I like the characters. It is very anime in the sense that um, it can go from being horribly serious and incredibly violent to being silly, like on a dime which is kind of weird to me. Uh, it is not quite getting me the highs of like shonen anime like Rurouni Kenshin did, which is the series I love. Uh, but it's, it's good. It's fun. I haven't had time to really devote myself and sink into an anime series lately. So this is a good one. And it's pretty popular now too. So yeah, I'm hoping to catch that movie before it leaves theaters. Demon Slayer, check it out. And uh, Devinger, how did you stream Demon Slayer? It's on Netflix. Gotcha. Demon Slayer on Netflix. I believe uh, it's even like, a, it is a Netflix original or something, oh. or at least it is like, it appeared there first in the US. Got it. Got it. Mm-hmm. Uh, check out Demon Slayer on Netflix. That's Devendra's recommendation this week. Hey, everyone. I wanted to let you know that, uh, you know, like many cat owners, everything I do for my cat is rooted in love. Even when they're being super annoying, I always want what's best for them. So even when they're sitting on my lap and I need to get up or they destroy all my new furniture or, you know, I have to let them out several times a day or even when they make a mess in the litter box. I also genuinely love keeping tabs on my cat's health, which just really helps me prepare for future vet visits. That's why I use Pretty Litter. Pretty Litter is the best litter for your cat. It changes colors to help you detect early signs of potential illness. I found that really useful because I've had cats who have UTI issues and uh, also kidney troubles. So the color changing just helps you recognize issues super early. And cleanup is easier with Pretty Litter too, uh, especially compared to clay litters. Uh, It has ultra-absorbent crystals that traps odor instantly and lasts up to a month. When I use clay litters, they tend to be dirty and uh, honestly just very heavy to carry and scoop up. With Pretty Litter, you're just scooping up poop. Uh, The pee just kind of dissolves. Pretty Litter is also safer for your cat and, uh, you know, the entire household. A lot of clay litters have irritants that can aggravate allergies and asthma. Pretty Litter's super light crystal base uh, does a great job of minimizing mess and dust. And I also appreciate that Pretty Litter gets to my door safely in a small, lightweight bag. Uh, Shipping is free, and I never have to worry about storing bulky containers. Uh, I do remember the days when I had to walk around town with heavy litter boxes, and that was just never fun. Love is putting your cat's health first with Pretty Litter. Do what I did and make the switch today by visiting prettylitter.com and use promo code FILMCAST for 20% off your first order. That's prettylitter.com, promo code FILMCAST for 20% off. prettylitter.com, promo code FILMCAST. Jeffrey Kanata. Let's talk about what you've been watching because what you've been watching is also what I've been watching. Yeah, I, I uh, as we mentioned at the top of the show, I took Dan Gvodson's advice last week uh, to heart. and. Decided to just check it out, check out the show about the show, which he had 
recommended in his what we've been watching last week, last week's episode. And it is on, uh, excuse me, on YouTube. So I figured, uh, why not? I got that that fancy new uh, YouTube family account hooked up for me by listener of the show. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So grateful to have it. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Uh, so I, I said, why not? Give it a shot. Popped on the show about the show. Nine episodes later, I decided, <laughs> well, I should probably turn this off now and go do so, go to bed. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I binged nine episodes of the show about the show back to back. I think it is riveting, fascinating, brilliant. Uh, I've never seen anything quite like it. Uh, It is an extraordinary descent into madness. It is, it is something truly remarkable. And I I mean, there's nothing more meta than the show. The, the, the concept of the show about the show, as Dan outlined last week is that each episode is about the making of the previous episode, which is a, I think on the face of it, in my opinion, a brilliant idea, just a, a kind of meta wacky concept, but what the show, beca- and, the, and the show starts there, right? It, it really become it really starts as this filmmaker talking about the first episode, talking about the pitching of the show, the second episode, talking about the making of that first episode. And the reason it can be about the making of is that in order to tell the story of, for example, the pitching of this show, he has to reenact scenes that happened <laughs> that he was not filming at the time. He's, it's part of the story of how the show was made, but he wasn't filming it at the time. He was just living it. So in the explanation, in the recounting of that moment, he wants to cut to a moment and he has to reenact that moment. So that week, which is about the previous week, he reenacts scenes that happened in real life in the previous week. In order to do that, he has to he attempts to get the actual people who were there to reenact those scenes with him. And if they refuse, which he is totally fine with, he offers them the option to refuse to do that or or to participate. If they refuse, he'll get an actor to play them. And we have a number of moments where he now is talking about the hiring of the actor (laughs) in reference to, in conversation with the person that the actor is playing. So he has literally a moment where the actor is playing (laughs) the character that he's talking to from real life but also the actor is playing themselves yeah, I mean, because yeah. they are part of the story too yep. because they're in the show. Yep. yep. So it becomes this, this wonderfully, I mean, it, it reminds me of adaptation. It yep. reminds me of um, Schenectady, New York. It, it reminds me of all that, those wonderful sort of, um, um, oh, what's the name of the famous artist that draws the hand drawing the hand? Um and the stairways that lead to, to the more MC stairways. Escher. MC Escher, yes. Mm-hmm. This MC Escher-esque filmmaking, which I find delightful and fascinating. But that's just where it starts. It, it then becomes this exercise, as Dan mentioned last week, but I don't think he emphasized it sufficiently for my taste. <laughs> Because it, it it packs much more of a wallop, in my opinion, than he presented. 
it becomes the, the, the filmmaker decides that in order to create this piece of art, which he is devoted to doing, he is going to tell you everything that happened as honestly and forthcomingly <laughs> as he can. He is radically honest. He has this position of radical honesty where he will say to both the viewer of the show and to the people involved exactly what he was thinking at the time, which includes things like telling his wife to her face that he wants to have sex with another woman that is involved in their lives. Uh, and he's doing that. It's like real life review. Yeah, yeah. but like way more. <laughs> but, yeah, but like real yeah. life. You know, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. And, and his wife is playing herself. So he's, he shoots scenes where they're reenacting fights they actually had. And she's reading the lines and then he'll do a, he'll, the next episode will be about shooting the reenactment with his wife where she got mad that she had to say the things that she actually said in real life. It, it is fascinating. And it, it becomes this completely self-destructive exercise where he is shredding his, his personal life. Yeah. Dave, I think it is fascinating. I have, I have gotten through the 12 episodes that are on YouTube by the end of it. I almost felt like it was too much. Mm -hmm. I, 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 at the, at, by the end of it, I was like, this is, this has gone too far. And <laughs> now it's just, I'm just watching this person destroy people and himself, uh, in, in the, in the exercise of just telling everybody it, what it made me realize is lying to someone can be a gift mm -hmm. because we're not meant to know mm. every passing thought or even yeah. deep like, like the ending of TV shows, you know, <laughs> well done. Yeah. Sometimes, yeah. sometimes you're, you just gonna you're nothing quiet. if not consistent, Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> During this episode, <laughs> but I, I mean, I don't know. I would love to know what you think, Dave. But it 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 occurred to me while watching it that honesty is a virtue that we should all aspire to, to a point, mm. right? That that there the the human brain is such that there are things that are just not meant to be externalized. That we you you will have thoughts. I'm sure you guys are having thoughts about me right now that I, you would never. <laughs> I should never know. I would never want to know. Oh, absolutely. And this, yeah. <laughs> and this, uh, this ignorance is bliss that we all live in where we think we can think things about other people, but they don't think it about us is, is I think required to maintain a social order. Mm -hmm. So I had seen one and a half episodes prior to Dan Gvozdan's appearance on the podcast last week. And I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. You know, like, uh, I, I, I dig this, but, I, you know, there's a lot of stuff to watch, so I, I didn't get around to it. But then uh, he brought it up again on last week's episode. So he had watched it a long time ago, but he knew he treats his guest spot on the Slice Filmcast with the respect it deserves, <laughs> which is he knows that, you know, um, uh, it, it's like uh, he, he knows like he's going to get his chance in the spotlight to this is this is the time to recommend something to our millions of listeners. Uh-huh. Uh -huh. uh, and he's just like, I only have like a he's few gonna, bullets in the chamber. He's not going to miss his shot, right? Yes. He's not throwing away his yeah. shot, yeah. as it were. 
Yeah. Uh, and so I'm like, huh, the fact that he used up one of his what we've been watching slots on that. <laughs> I'm of like, which we only allow three per listen per, I mean, per you, guest. You joke, but I did say, hey, can we keep it to three? Um, <laughs> so because you know, otherwise it gets like you know, we can't each throw in like eight things in there, or else it becomes unwieldy. Uh, and uh, so I'm like, okay, all right. The fact that you're uh, using it on one of those, I'm gonna, I'm gonna revisit it. I also binged the rest of the show, like here well, this uh, week. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it, it, it's it, compelling. It's super compelling. It's and I recommended it to multiple other people. Me too. And I can't stop talking about it, it as well. Yeah. Uh, because I I recommended yeah. it to a friend of mine who's and a they journalist. They told people, and they told people, yeah. and so on. Well, and the so crazy on. thing is how few views this yes. thing has. Like yes. it's it's. It's absolutely insane to me that this dude is a as devoted as he is to making this thing, yeah, and b willing to completely destroy his personal life in the in the creation of it, and it's like four thousand views. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. crazy. I mean, to be fair, I believe it did air on Brick TV, which is a Brooklyn right, uh, like cable. Yeah, nobody access nobody watches that. Yeah, nobody so, watches that. But but yeah, I mean, and the thing is, as the show goes on, it becomes more and more risky the things he's doing you know yes. and, and then the views go down and down like it's like <laughs> the, you know the first episode has like t- fifty thousand views and then by the end it's like four thousand views and that's like when he's well, the, put it yeah go ahead the crazy thing too is that as it goes on it, he he constantly is is being told <laughs> that very uh powerful and influential people think what he's doing is utterly brilliant and are in the position to actually make his show uh <laughs> you know, available to a wider audience. Yeah. Or promote We're going to make show you a or, star, buddy. Yeah. But yeah. they know that if they speak to him, <laughs> they will be on the show. Like the process of that process will be exposed completely honestly on the show. And all they have, all there is for them is downside to interacting with right, him. Right. Right. So they, so the, the premise of the show almost results in the show's undoing. Yes. Yeah, right. It's like real time social shunning. It sounds like. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's like, yeah. I, w- I love your show and I want to help you. They, they like relay this through intermediaries, <laughs> yeah, through right? Intermediaries. I love your show and I want it to be, am- I-, I think it's amazing and I want to do something with it, but I'm not going to get next to you from with a 10 foot pole because right? I don't want what you're going to say about our interaction to be on your show. Yeah, I know. It's, it's pretty remarkable. Um, and yeah, also very sobering, Jeff, you know, because yes. I think the show is brilliant and hopefully... Dan Gvozda mentioning it, us talking about it today, will get more people to watch it. So you should go go to YouTube, search for the show about the show, uh, episode one or pilot. It's on there. And then you can find all the other episodes on there. They're easily accessible. Hopefully yep, we'll get those numbers up, right? But it just really struck me that like, hey, uh, here's a guy bearing his soul, pouring out his heart, creating some of the most brilliant work I've ever seen. Yes. Work that should be mentioned along the works of like Michelle Gondry and Spike Jones. Yes. And nobody gives a shit. Like nobody's watching. Nobody's giving a shit. Yeah. Yeah. Like button. Nobody's not enough people are smashing that like button, unfortunately. (laughs) Man. And uh, and hopefully, you know, you listening to this will, you know, uh, motivate you a little bit and and get these numbers up and help to (laughs) help to equalize this great injustice that this brilliant show uh, just is not receiving the attention it deserves. Uh, let let so. me ask you this, Dave. If yes. you had the chance to uh, to interview that guy I think on the show, happen. would I... you... But what is the cost? 
I think it's going to happen. I think it's going to happen. I, he, he actually has a podcast. I'm going to try to get him for culturally relevant. Um, but uh, he Because he, he's doing it. I don't know if you know this, Jeff. He's doing a podcast called like Stories I Want to Tell Before I Die. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and basically every day is like a one to three minute story from his it's just like a story that he's telling yeah. from his like he's just throwing his all his goods out throwing them all out yeah yeah um, dan trachtenberg is convinced that we reviewed um um i'm a sex addict on the totally rad show at one point i have no recollection of that at all hmm. um feels but, like it should uh, be pretty easy to verify <laughs> uh, yeah i just haven't googled it yeah um but um <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the guy, he's a filmmaker. He's a, yeah. he's a teacher. Zahedi is the guy's name. Kavi Yeah. Kavi yeah. 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 He, and he, uh, I have devoured like every interview I can find of him uh, in the days since. I just think his, his, his lack of compromise to his artistic ethos yeah. is inspiring. But also, I mean, the guy has kids and it's like, it just feels like, oh man, if he didn't have kids, I could really get behind this dude. But like, the kids are in the crossfire and a lot yeah. of this stuff, and it just yeah. it feels really awful. It feels on them. Uh, feels yes. yeah. yeah, absolutely. If, if you do with yeah. the kids, yeah, because this is pro- like we don't know, but like it seems like what he's doing is going to have like lasting damage, you know, like mm-hmm. just just based oh, on what we see. Yeah. So yes. that's that's the thing that's that's challenging I mean, it about it. Destroys his marriage. It's yeah. it's like it's it's. Yeah, it's yeah. it's watching a slow motion car accident in real time where the driver is explaining to you that he <laughs> swerved into the oncoming lane. You know, it's yeah. like it, it is it's Come, wild, but it is fascinating piece of art. Like it, it what what it's doing with the medium is truly revolutionary. I think I, I, it's just completely insane, but but watchable. I mean, unbelievable. Compulsively yes. watchable, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, h- highly recommended. Uh, it's the show about the show. It's on YouTube. Uh, check it out. And Jeff, yeah, I watched that interview uh, that yeah. you you were you texted me about the interview that he gave. Basically, yeah. he he, as you said, uncompromising. Like he basically believes we should always tell the truth in all cases, pretty much. Yeah. And like he 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 pretty much applies that to his life. Yeah. According watch to watch how well this goes. Yeah. 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 No, he's like totally upfront with the fact that it, it's it is not good. It doesn't work out well for him, but he's, he's like, thinks that but it's, what's the alternative? What's the yeah. alternative? Yeah. You know, a life where we don't tell Jeff Kanata that line of duty <laughs> ended badly. <laughs> Perish the thought. That's the show about the show. Thank you so much to Dan Gavazdin from yeah. amazing spider talk for recommending it. Truly. And, um, there's also it's, a New York times article about the show. If you Google New York times and the show about the show and Kavi Zahedi, you'll find this feature. Like this is a feature, uh, that, is if if basically if what we've described sounds too painful for you to watch, then you can read the New York Times article and get about thirty percent of the of the uh, of the effectiveness of it. So um, yeah. there's a New York Times piece about the show as well. So, and I mean we, we we will talk about there is no I in threesome in our after dark. But the entire reason I watched that was because I was like, dude, if Gavazdin <laughs> is batting this well so far, I gotta just I gotta follow this. I gotta see where this leads. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I yeah. gotta keep following this thread. He's your North Star, right? Now. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. So we both watched There Is No I in Threesome. Uh, Devendra skipped it, uh, but we will talk about it in the After Dark. And I have very strong opinions about that. So same. All right. So same. looking forward looking forward to that in the After Dark at Patreon.com slash film podcast. Jeff Kanata, uh, you also watch so the show about the show is on YouTube. You, Jeff Kanata, you also watch uh, Jupiter's Legacy which is apparently based on a comic book that you're a fan of. 
Indeed. Uh, Mark Miller's comic. Um, it is uh, a comic that I, I think very highly of. And I would tell you what I've heard about this, <laughs> but I'm not going to because I, I we're well, what Jeff thinks. I want to hear what you thought about the show. I will tell you what I thought of episode one, yeah. which yes. is all I've, I've gotten through. A friend told me that it, it improves after episode one. <laughs> episode one is not good. Uh, it is not good. Um, imagine, if you will, <laughs> uh, a big Netflix superhero show that ends with an action sequence that looks like Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Mm. None that of the costumes it, look good from what I've seen. That I think the costumes are fine. Off. I think mm. how it shot all of the action, the bad guys. I mean, the bad guys are like, you know, rubber mask, which is fine. I think that's cool. I, I'm into that. But all of the action is very strangely... I, I, I can only assume it's purposeful. Right, right. Like, I like don't the know way to what Invincible end. is kind of purposefully animated that way. Yeah. Yes. I, there, there must be an aesthetic that they are going for because the, all of the actors are clearly like sitting on in wire rigs, like, you know, stationary in the air, hovering in the air. Uh, the, 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 I mean, just imagine Mighty Morphing Power Rangers. It's like the punchers of the punches. The way it's shot <laughs> is the same. Like, you know, snap zooms to like a body being slammed into the ground. It's, it, it looks very, very cheap and very, very hokey. Huh. And I can only imagine, I mean, there's no way they didn't know what they were doing. Like yeah, that, yeah, yeah. There's, they're not attempting to create, you know, end game, uh, inf- you know, Marvel and um, Avengers end game. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't know if that, if there is some payoff to that aesthetic later on in the series, I, I don't know if there's something that will make me go, oh, I oh I kind of get what they were going for. But yeah, yeah. the first episode, it, it really does not put its best foot forward. And it is doubly problematic in that the show and the comic is about a multi-generational story. It's about um, characters that we see very young and characters that we see very old and characters that we see in the middle. And... Uh, the same actors play them. And so we are often watching them with, you know, old age makeup and wigs and fake beards and stuff that I don't think work yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. well. Uh, it, it calls attention to itself. I don't know how you solve for that. It is a difficult conundrum, right? It, these are superhero as a superhero show and it's, it's, uh, you know, Justice League type analog characters. There's a Superman guy named the Utopian, and um, uh, Josh Dunamel plays him. And um, it, you know, I I don't know if you cast an old guy in the old version. I don't know if you use digital age. I don't know. I don't. It's a hard solve, right? It's it, there's no easy. This should way. be animated. Probably it probably should be animated. But yeah. as a live action show, at least the first episode, and and hopefully it gets better. I don't know if I'll stick with it. I really enjoy the comic. I think the comic is great. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It, it, it just it just really really does not give a good first impression as far as I'm concerned. I'm pretty disappointed because yeah. I was really looking forward to this. Can yeah. I tell you something, Jeff? Yeah this this show has has one of the worst Rolling Stone reviews I've ever read. Oh really? <laughs> one oh. star from Alan Sepinwall. Ouch! Wow. Who is typically pretty generous? He's a char- with, yeah, like, with, charitable, with, like, charitable, very stuff. talented guy. Um, Man, I move. Um, I, I honestly like. I was thinking about the show too. I'm honestly glad that it is so universally panned because I'm like, I'm superheroed out at this point. You know, yeah. I can take a break from this one. I do think, I wonder, I've seen some clips of this. Um, the style 
this show was uh, adapted by Stephen Denight, who also did uh, Spartacus um, yeah. Stars, which was which also is, like people love. A, I love that show. Super stylized as well. Like that show yeah. almost did like um, you'd call it like cheap 300. You know, there are right. just some things that just don't look good, but it was campy and it kind of worked for that show. So I almost wonder if they're applying a similar aesthetic here, but like cheap superhero, which probably doesn't look as good. Well, I'm yes. sorry you didn't like it, Jeff. I know you were psyched for this one. Yeah. I was. I suggested it as a main yeah. review. I, yeah. I really uh, was. I think Mark Miller is really talented writer and he has come up with amazing concepts. And he's he's got this big sort of blanket deal with Netflix to turn a bunch of his books into stuff. So this this is one of the top tier books as far as I'm concerned. And to have it kind of land with such a thud, yeah. it doesn't it doesn't bode well. Do they explain the rectangular cod pieces? Just like <laughs> it's just like a lion on the crotch, which yeah. I know that must not be comfortable for anybody. <laughs> They're not comfortable on the eye. Yeah. And on that note, <laughs> Jupiter's Legacy streaming right now on Netflix. Jeff was not a fan, unfortunately. Hey, it's Jeff talking to you about our sponsor, Babbel. For most of us, Learning a second language in high school or college wasn't exactly a high point in our academic careers. I tried Spanish, I tried Italian, and nothing stuck. I didn't like the process of trying to learn and take tests. But now, thanks to Babbel, the number one selling language learning app, there's an addictively fun and easy way to learn a new language. Whether you'll be traveling abroad, connecting in a deeper way with family, or you just have some free time, Babbel teaches bite-sized language lessons that you'll actually use in the real world. In fact, I've been trying the Babbel Spanish lessons, and I find them to be so easy to work into my daily routine. That's what you want, something you can stick to and be consistent with. Babbel's 15-minute lessons make it the perfect way to learn a new language on the go. I'm not going anywhere yet, but I'm certainly excited for when I start to go to be able to be on the go with Babbel. Babbel designs their courses with practical, real-world conversations in mind, things you'll get to use in everyday life. Other language learning apps use AI for their lesson plans, but Babbel lessons were created by over 100 language experts. Their teaching method has been scientifically proven to be effective. With Babbel, you can choose from 14 different languages, including Spanish, French, Italian, and German. Plus, Babbel's speech recognition technology helps you to improve your pronunciation and accent. Start your new language learning journey today with Babbel. Right now, when you purchase a three-month Babbel subscription, you'll get an additional three months for free. That's six months for the price of just three. Go to babbel.com and use promo code FILMCAST. That's B-A-B-B-E-L.com, promo code FILMCAST for an extra three months free. Babbel, language for life. All right, folks, why don't we get to our weekly plugs? We're going to do weekly plugs. Weekly plugs, a part of the show each week where we plug something that we've made or that someone uh, else has made that we are a fan of. This week, uh, I want to plug an interview I did for Culturally Relevant podcast uh, with Scott Cease. Scott Cease is uh, actually, I believe, a listener of this show. 
And he went mega viral recently with a series of TikToks about working at Ikea uh, Mm, that were uh, retweeted by Jim Gaffigan and Patton Oswalt and um, uh, LeBron James. You know, like all these people tweeting about his TikToks and uh, it's gotten him a lot of attention. And I watched the TikToks myself like a dozen times because I found them so freaking hilarious. He's a really talented guy. Would recommend you check out my interview with him where we talk about what it was like to go mega viral making TikToks about Ikea. Uh, it was a fun chat. Uh, and uh, again, you can check that out over at Culturally Relevant, the podcast that's found wherever podcasts can be downloaded. Devinger, what's your weekly plug? Oh, I want to point you guys to the last episode of the Engadget podcast. Uh, it's called What's the Point of Facebook's Oversight Board? And we chat about uh, that so-called Supreme Court Facebook created to like uh, offload big decisions. And their one of their biggest ones came last week when they upheld uh, banning Donald Trump, but also kind of threw back the long-term decision back to Facebook. It's all very confusing, but we uh, we had a good chat about it uh, with Carissa Bell from Engadget, um, kind of diving into all this because uh, I, I personally don't think guys that Facebook can uh, can really oversee itself. And I'm waiting until we have like government structures in place that can actually control social media a little bit. Uh, but this is an interesting experiment at this point. It is funny how bad it's going. Yeah, it's interesting to see how it's covered too. Everyone yeah. was like, yeah. Facebook, like Facebook Supreme Court upholds Trump's ban. That was like the headline for like yep. so many places. But... but like the real headline is Facebook Supreme Court declines to make a decision, like or uh-huh. kicks the can down the road for six months. Just like I the guess, real Supreme Court, to be honest. Yeah, like I, I, does I that guess that just doesn't get yeah. as many clicks. But yeah. uh, I, I was a little disappointed to see like how it was covered compared to yeah. what actually happened. Um, in any case, check out Devendra's chat about it on the Gadget Podcast. Jeff Kanata, what, what's your weekly plug? Well, I'm back on the Dungeon Run this Wednesday night at 6 p.m. Pacific time on twitch.tv slash the Dungeon Run. You've probably heard me talk about it before. I'm really proud of this show. It's our big fantasy storytelling show. It's a Dungeons & Dragons show, but you don't need to know anything about Dungeons & Dragons to enjoy it. It's a story uh, of epic, high fantasy with a bunch of characters all trying to figure out this big mystery and the most recent predicament they've gotten themselves into is pretty dangerous. They are they are split up. They're on the run, and it is uh, it's really scary for them. Uh, this is a really cool point to jump on the story. You can jump in any episode because I recap at the top of the show uh, every week what's the essential information to jump right in. So uh, give it a sh- give it a shot. You can listen to it as a podcast. You can find it wherever podcasts are downloaded. But uh, we do a live stream, like I said, Wednesday night, 6 p.m. Pacific time on twitch.tv slash the dungeon run. You can also watch it on YouTube at youtube.com. I think we have the dungeon run there, but if not, just search for the dungeon run and you can find all of the past episodes. Uh, you can jump on any episode and uh, get caught right up and have a blast. It's a, it's really a fun, funny show. It's also family friendly and there aren't a lot of live play Dungeons Dragon shows that uh, don't have, you know, F-bombs every 14 seconds. So we're proud of our family friendly, but that doesn't mean the show is uh, for kids. Necess- I mean, it isn't like talked down to or, or we don't, you know, the, the, I think the, the, uh, the storytelling and the narrative and the plot and everything is very much uh, fun for adults as well as kids. So check it out. Twitch.tv slash The Dungeon Run. All right. That's it for weekly plugs. Let's get to our review of Stowaway. 
Michael, I'm Zoe. I'm a doctor. I want you to focus on slowing down your breathing. Into your nose, out through your mouth. Hi, Michael. I'm Marina Bunnett, the commander of the ship. Do you remember what happened on the pad? I'm a launch support engineer, ma'am. How long was I out? We took off about 12 hours ago. 12 hours? I should warn you now that Zoe thinks she's the in-flight entertainment. There's <laughs> <laughs> no easy way to say this. Life support is damaged permanently. We only have enough oxygen board for three people. Everyone on board will suffocate before we ever make it to Mars. That was from the trailer for Stowaway, new film on Netflix right now, directed by Joe Penna. I'm going to read the plot summary from IMDb. A three-person crew on a mission to Mars faces an impossible choice when an unplanned passenger jeopardizes the lives of everyone on board. Uh, This movie has a cast of four people. Mm -hmm. Uh, Anna Kendrick, Daniel Day Kim, Shamir Anderson, and Tony Collette. Those are the only people in the movie. Pretty good cast. Yeah, and pretty awesome cast. Yeah, Uh, everyone's super talented. Devinder Hardwar. This feels like a movie that is Devinder Catnip. You know, right up uh, my alley. Yeah, sci-fi say. movie, uh, very, very much stu- uh, sort of focusing on the procedures and the details of uh, space interstellar, uh, interstellar space travel, or not interstellar. I guess mm-hmm. is it interstellar if it's within the same, it's, within the no, same no, solar no. system? No. Same solar system. Interstellar. Interstellar. Yeah, interstellar yeah. travel. What did you think of Stowaway? I uh, yeah yeah I, I love this movie, guys. <laughs> like um, it is. It is such a weird thing too, because it feels more like a play set in space. Yeah. You know, like yeah. it is, it is very play like because of the small cast, but I love almost everything about this movie. I appreciate how like it is a very reserved film. Um, I, it has incredible sound design. I think the actual, you know, the, the basic plot is that, Hey, they're playing for a two year mission to Mars. And uh, there's this guy. What's up with this guy? <laughs> What's he doing here? What, what do we do with this guy? Um, I think all that stuff, like that drama, also seems like unique compared to a lot of space things that we've seen recently. To me, it feels like you know when we when we ask for like other movies, uh, other space films to maybe be a little more realistic, like Interstellar or Sunshine. Even um, this is what you get, or The Martian. Yeah, this is sort of like to me, this is the anti-Martian. You know, like it is. I do love that movie. I think that movie's good, but it's also like, you know, very, very, very optimistic. Very optimistic, like to to the to the point where it's like, oh yeah, this is is this just American propaganda for colonizing Mars? I don't know. Um, whereas this movie, I think like shit goes wrong all the time. It's really unpredictable. I think the human drama is really good. I think all the performances are fantastic. There are sequences in this movie, which is just like people doing spacewalks, which I think are absolutely thrilling. So yeah, I I love this movie. It is one. Of, this movie is two hours long. I didn't even feel it. This movie ended. And I'm like, hey, where's where's the next act of the movie? Yeah, I need more. Of, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. 
I uh, I read Tasha Robinson's review of this movie with great interest over at Polygon.com. Yeah, yeah. Um, she she actually, mentioned Sunshine. Yeah. Yeah. I actually tried to get her on this episode of the podcast. The timing didn't work out, unfortunately. But she begins her review by saying, quote, back in 2007, when Danny Boyle's space thriller Sunshine hit theaters, all the critical and audience response seemed to say roughly the same thing. Danny Boyle wasted a really good serious space thriller by turning it into a silly space slasher. Sure. Bring up Sunshine with someone who's seen it and chances are high that they'll say some variant of the first half where they're just dealing with technical malfunctions was great. Why did he have to throw in a psycho killer? Yeah, now yeah. everyone who's ever claimed they wanted the full-length version of the first act of Sunshine has a chance to prove it. Netflix's new space drama Stowaway is basically the somber, reality-driven space crisis movie Sunshine initially pretended to be, and it isn't as satisfying as we once imagined. End quote. That's her perspective on it i don't think she's yeah. a huge fan of the movie it turns out a lot of space stuff can be boring you know <laughs> yeah, yeah indeed jeff canada curious about what you thought of stowaway well dave i guess you could say what i thought about stowaway is best summed up in the form of a limerick hmm. it's smart and engaging and tense making tiny problems immense it need not rely on outlandish sci-fi to deliver two hours of suspense wow that was a nice, clean limerick, Jeff. Really, Thank you. really expertly executed. I am on Devendra's page a thousand percent. I at no point was bored in this movie. I thought I think this is one of my favorite movies of the year. Wow, you know it's a young year, but it's still, I think this yeah. will come up at the end of the year for me again. It's kind of up there with me. Yeah, it is. Ex- I mean, you talked about being Devendra's catnip. Absolutely, my catnip as well. I love movies about smart people being smart. I love that. And this movie is smart people being smart. Smart, uh, considered, put in a difficult, untenable situation and forced to make hard choices. I, and it, you know, a lesser movie would, I think, ratchet things up. This movie is very restrained. Mm-hmm, it, it, mm-hmm. It, things, bad things happen and bad things happen often in, in this movie, but it feels like more like an Apollo 13, you know, where like the bad things happen is because, you know, bad things happen, not because yeah, there's a yeah. monster on board. You know, it's, it's really wonderfully restrained. There are moments where it sets up like, Oh my God, something bad's going to happen. And then nothing bad happens. You know, it's like, there are these wonderful things where it's just, we're just going to watch them do something mm-hmm. that's hard. And it goes the way it's supposed to go, but it's super hard, you know, and like, and that's compelling. Um, and I just, I love how the movie changes up everything. There's no quote unquote villain. Uh, it, 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 it just, yeah. the, everybody the situation wa- is the villain. Yeah. The situation is hard and you have to make yeah. hard choices and, and it's all shades of gray and everybody wants to do the right thing and doesn't know what the right thing is. And it's, and and also I love how things change throughout it. You know that there is this delicious dilemma, and then that that sort of changes for a while. It's like it's such a well made, well structured movie. All of the effects are really cool. Mm-hmm. It, it it you know it gives you just enough day after tomorrow sci fi where it's like you know we're gonna just say we can make gravity. <laughs> you know it's like okay that, that's probably easier for the filmmakers so we don't mm-hmm. have to do. <laughs> anti-gravity the whole time it, it's also, also like I, if you've read a single sci-fi book right it's like yeah. oh it's the rotating thing that makes yes. gravity we know what that is right yeah, yeah it, 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 it does shorthand when it needs to do shorthand it, it it explains things when it needs to explain things i i don't know if i would change a single note of this movie it just feels i was absolutely riveted throughout it as you said dave the performances are across the board 
great. It, you know, it, it's just, I think this is a fantastic movie and I really don't understand why more people aren't talking about it. Mm-hmm. I'm really glad you guys enjoyed it. Um, I quite liked it as well. I have a few more issues yeah. than you guys Except had with it. Except for the final minutes. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I had a few more yeah. issues than you guys had with it, but I, I think overall it's very good. I actually think the way they explained gravity was really good in my yeah. opinion oh, I, like, I wasn't disagreeing with that yeah, I, I, I yeah I just, it was it was it felt i think this movie does a better job of explaining gravity than the movie gravity to be oh, honest absolutely with you. Um, at, at one point they're like we are starting the gravity thing and you see the gravity thing start yeah and, then and it's like gravity. wow this is so cool and it's, it's i get it it's smart because not only is it smart um in terms of uh, the the thing that they're doing, but like the fact that they're showing it to you, mm-hmm. uh, in the way that they show it to you means, hey, okay, now uh, they're just gonna have gravity the rest of the, the the movie. Like we don't need to we don't need to try to simulate some kind of weightless visual effect, right? So yeah, it's smart from a plot and also a uh, sort of production film production standpoint. Um, performance are great. I think you're right, Devendra. This is very play like. You know, it's very mm. much like just people having intense discussions. That's like most of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um. But the parts of the movie that are uh, that do have visual effects, I think the visual effects are really, really well done. Like it's yeah. very judiciously handled, very expertly executed. It, I, I thought no, they would cheap yeah. out at certain points, and yeah. they they didn't. Like they turned it feel like they did. Yeah, things into a spectacle. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there was a few things that I was a little bit disappointed by, um, but I can't really get into it without talking about spoilers. So mm-hmm. I think we should just get to that. But overall, I would recommend it. I think. It's kind of an ultra realistic slow burn drama Very about slow-burn. this kind of yep. space dilemma. And if that sounds interesting to you, you should definitely mm-hmm. check out Stowaway on Netflix and watch it with headphones or a good sound system because I think that would really that really helps, especially that whole opening sequence, which is fantastic. Indeed. Mm-hmm. All right, let's get to spoilers for Stowaway starting right now. Now you're looking for the secret. You're gonna see this coming. No, but you won't find it because, of course, you're not going to see this coming. You're not really looking. I have been puzzling over how it works. You don't really want to work it out. Who's in the box? I have been dying to tell you. I want to tell you my secret now. You want to be fooled. All right. Well, we got to talk about the ending, guys. I I, I was joking, by the way, because I think I thought it was all it was a surprising ending. But I was joking that it ruined the entire movie for you. But did it, Dave? Um, I I think the ending is a little bit unsatisfying. But before I get to that, actually, uh-huh. I do want to mention one of the really interesting decisions that this this um, movie makes that I had never. I don't think I've ever seen anything like it before. Mm-hmm. Is it shows it, it chooses to give us things only from the perspective of the people on the ship. Yeah, yes. what I mean by that yep. is no audio from the at no point. Yeah, at no yeah. point do you hear mission control. At one point, they have like an entire conversation. With people back on Earth, and it's you so don't good. hear the mm-hmm. Earth conversation, like the Earth side of the conversation. It works. Like, it works really well. I think. I think. I think it does too. I think because you basically feel like, oh, these people. It reinforces the idea that basically these people are on their own, right? Like, yeah. uh, they they have no one to to count on, and they, yeah. they only have themselves. So that's a pretty interesting decision. Another interesting decision is. I don't think. Do they ever explain why he ended up on board? Like other than that's it's, the it was one an accident? thing. I'm like, I, I would like a little more. Like, just yeah. how did that happen? How yeah. does a huge, you know, uh, corporation apparently, because uh, it's not a government that's doing this mission? How do how do they miss something like that? Yeah. The, the, yeah, I think. Yeah. Go ahead, uh, it'd be interesting. I didn't go back and watch the opening. I, I know it's all shot in tight shots at the beginning, mm-hmm. and I, I wonder if there's any 
yeah. hint or audio cue she that says, even... So at one point she's like, the huh, the engine's a little like n- yeah, not as like strong. Yeah, they have more weights than yeah. they're supposed to have yeah. or something. Yeah. And she's so good she could tell that by the way the ship feels. Know, oh, so badass. Love it. Love <laughs> so it. badass. But but I, I kind of agree, but I also don't don't really care. Like what, mm-hmm. the the detail of oh he dropped his wrench and fell in and they didn't know. It, who cares? Like it doesn't. Mm-hmm. I I don't. I, yeah. I feel like that's the yada 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 that I don't mind. Yeah, I don't. I don't have a big issue with it either. I think what it, what it, what it made me reflect on is typically in a quote unquote normal movie like this. The reason why he wound up there would be a major part of the plot. Sure, right? Right. like yeah. it would be he snuck on board for bad reasons, or mm-hmm. the uh, which is the tension at the beginning of the movie, right? Yeah. The corporation yeah. like sent him there, or you know, like some <laughs> some some, some explanation, or or like the corporation is like evil slash negligent, right, and like that's right. why he's there, right? And but the movie's just like, nope, not interested in any of that. I, I love that it just sort of dispenses yeah. with that very quickly. And and it also dispenses with this idea of him being a threat to them yeah, in any, yeah. you know, tangible way. I, I just love every genre trope, yeah. which I yep. was expecting it to, to do. It mm-hmm. zags instead of zigging. You know, and I love that. It You know, I expected, oh, he's going to have the fucking alien spores in his nose or he's going <laughs> right. to, you know, there's going to be yeah, yeah. this happen or that happen yeah. or he's going to. You know, he's going to be a smuggler on board to try to do yeah. a thing, take down the corporate. None of that. It's, it's just telling a much simpler, mm-hmm. purer story. I think. There's a scene with the, him, with the uh, the guy, with Shamir Anderson's character and Anna Kendrick and the insulin pen. And we're yeah. all like, hmm, what is, what's going to happen here? Yeah. You know, yeah, like, like he, you, you wonder, yeah. like, is he going to attack her or something like that? Is, yeah. that, is that what yeah. you're thinking? Yeah. Or, yeah. Because then, then there are three people and he yeah. should be fine. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I had I had basically I really like the movie. I had two problems with it. Problem number one, it was weird to me that everyone just assumed that he was the one that was going to die, and the, the, no one mm-hmm. explained that. I mean, Anna Kendrick kind of well, points I, it out. She's like, "Yeah, yeah. What are, what are we going to do? Just ask him to walk out of the airlock?" Could, but the way like Tony Collette and Daniel Day Kim talk about it, they're like. Yeah, mm-hmm. like he's not going to make it. It's like, wh- what do you mean he's well, not going to make it? What's going to happen there? Yeah. She makes yeah. the very, she makes the very necessary but brutal decision that mm-hmm. we are trained for this. Yeah. He's not. She's leading a team. Like she's Re- removing yeah. one of us makes zero sense to like mm. to have the novice who knows nothing be the one that we save. Mm-hmm. I, I never questioned that for a second. I, yeah, I thought you, it was. You thought it was unspoken that they would like kill him. Is that what? No, 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 no. I didn't well, think it was no, unspoken. Like he would be the him. one to go. But if, yeah. if you have to kill somebody, there's no universe in which you choose. I I, I did yeah. kind of suspect one of them to like volunteer to be the one. Mm-hmm. But I also liked that they all recognize that if you have, you know, three essential pieces and one unessential piece, <laughs> it, it doesn't make any sense to remove one of the essential pieces. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I guess that you're good point, Jeff. I, well said, but I also think like th- there was v- not really an articulation of what that means, right? Like yeah. Anna Kendrick's the only one that was like, "Are we going to ask him to walk out of the airlock?" Like, what does that mean? They they kill him. They ask him to kill himself. Like, what what does it mean? Yeah. They just kind of assumed, and there was less conversation about that than I think there would have been in real life. I, th- you know? I th- the unspoken thing I think is what really gets me, and that's that's a lot of this movie. Right. Like it doesn't it doesn't necessarily spell everything out. But if you plant yourself in that situation and you're looking, you're here with your team who you've trained for years to get, you know, to get here and do this mission. You've left your family for two years. You're on you're doing something for humanity, you know, and there's this other piece. So like no one's going to be like, oh, well, I guess uh, uh, 
everything I, you know, I trained for everything I, that cost me to get here is gone. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that Daniel Kim's character Mm -hmm. kind of articulates in a sense when he keeps saying, Hey, if we've made this decision, there's no point in right putting right. it off right, right right we're only we're only endangering ourselves further yeah by like adding emotion into it that's right. basically his position mm-hmm. is like we've made this dispassionate and essential decision that is hard yeah but once we made that hard decision mm-hmm. why are we even dithering you know right. it, it, and i thought that was it's so cold and calculated but also like shrewd and scientific yeah you know that's the that's fits, the unfortunate that's character the, yeah yes but he's yes. also he's also not a dick about it in my opinion right like mm-hmm. he right. he mm-hmm. tries to save he try he sacrifices his life's work basically yeah that speech is so good where he talks tells her like what have you what did you right. do i gave up right. everything you know yeah. it's so yeah. so cool yeah, yeah 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 um and then the ending you know i, I think that my issue with the ending is not even with the plot, which feels earned. Like if it, it, it makes sense that she would make the decision, right? So for mm-hmm. those who are listening and you are okay being spoiled, right? Anna Kendrick basically makes the decision to sacrifice herself, right? In in kind of the coolest way possible, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. pretty badass, pretty badass. And that, by the way, that whole sequence with mm-hmm. like Jimmy, like up the, going up the rope and everything, Beautiful. incredible, Beautiful. dude. Incredible. Because it's so, it's so complicated because they have gravity at the beginning, yes. so you got to like yes. actually climb, and then you lose gravity. But then, what does that mean when you're bringing back a big thing? Like, oh, <laughs> dude, yeah. that, so that shot so of good. of her like reaching her arm out and watching yeah. the tank go, yeah, yeah, oh, like it's heart wrenching, agonizing, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but the I think my issue with it is just the mo- I think the movie ends really abruptly, guys. It, it, does. It, it does. It does. It's just, it does. It's just like you want to no know what what are the like because the movie has said, hey, uh, even after we survive, like we have like a two year mission and mm-hmm. all this other stuff is supposed to happen. Like, what is the aftermath? Like, what the whole time we are kind of with these characters in how they feel about this extremely terrible situation and like yeah, and it just is weird. To not get any kind of yeah. emotional catharsis about you wanted some like on screen text, you know, there to, need, really, yeah. to really <laughs> there needs to, to be yeah. a denouement. There needs yeah. to be a denouement. There needs to be a, a moment of uh, you know them arriving yes. at, on Mars or Epilogue, something. Yeah. You know, you. I, I, don't, I just yeah. I don't Go know. Ahead. I don't know. I I do think it is a strange ending. It is a very strange way to end this movie because like you, she does the big heroic thing. She drops the tank. We assume that's enough for them to get to Mars and then they'll be safe there because uh, they have oxygen production there, I think. Um, so I think we assume that that solves the major problem of the movie, you know, conflict resolved and she can't go back in because she just walked through a solar storm. You know, she is radioactive, but she sees Mars in the distance and that's the last thing she sees. So I think on a poetic level, I don't know how you can do better than that, especially for a movie that is all about being so with these characters, you know, like we are just looking at everything through their eyes. This is, yeah. Yeah. So many astronaut movies, the, the, the person dies, you know, I'm thinking of Bruce Willis and Armageddon or something Um, here. It just really hit me because I didn't expect it, but it also felt so absolutely earned. Like she at least got to see this, you know, I, I guess, I mean, the, the voiceover that plays over the end is like, she's extremely glad that her life got to have meaning as a result yeah. of his mission. And I'm just yeah. like, yes, it's amazing. It's an amazing sacrifice. It's the ultimate sacrifice that she made, but 
I don't know that that was my reaction. Like, oh, like now her life has meaning, you know, like, I I, I don't know. I don't, um, I don't think it necessarily said that. It was just like, that was her, you know, that was her intention of the whole thing. And she's still, even if like whatever she was going to do on the planet would have failed or something. I don't know. Um, yeah. Jeff, it's Jeff still I want to hear, hear what you thought of the ending. I agree with you that it was abrupt. Mm-hmm. Uh, when the credits popped on the screen, I was yeah. jarred. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought, I thought we had at least, another scene. Yeah. Um, and I don't think the movie would have been worse for having some sort of fallout of that, even just back on the ship with the rest of the cast in some way. I I don't know. I just feels like I agree with you that it was abrupt. Mm -hmm. I don't, it it certainly didn't ruin the movie for me. I agree with Devendra that it, it is all earned and it, it kind of, it puts a, it puts a punctuation mark on the movie. It's just not the punctuation mark that I expected. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, yeah. I definitely this movie felt jazzed us, right? <laughs> yeah. I felt the, yeah. I felt the, uh, you know, abrupt sort of jarring stop, but I also, you know, was kind of sitting. It's one of those ones where you sit there and the, and mm-hmm. the credits are rolling a oh, little yeah. bit and you don't yeah. reach for the remote for a, a moment, you know, if, if I like, was in the theater, I would have just sat there through the entire yeah, credits. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, you can't do that with Netflix because you're on to the next movie. Uh, but um, <laughs> You are forcibly ejected from this film and moved exactly. on to the next film. Yeah. Yeah. But I, you know, I, um, I, I was emotional. It was powerful. You know, the character's name is Zoe. You know, my daughter's mm-hmm. name is Zoe. It was, it was, um, it's, it's a, it's a powerful scene. And I thought that the, the voiceover, the return of the voiceover I don't think I read it quite as literally as you, Dave, in the sense right, that I, right. I didn't think it was was saying, oh, this moment gave my life meaning. It was this this sense of that spirit of adventure and risk and discovery and mm-hmm. what space travel has been for humanity, that feeling of stepping beyond ourselves and stepping into the the risk. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, these all these people know that it is... It, you know, as we say on the, when we have concerns, space wants to kill you. Yeah. Um, so well, everything wants to kill you, to be honest, like just <laughs> everything. Too. Nature wants to kill you. Like, it, oh boy. Yeah. Um, but I also saw it as like, she basically represented faith in humanity, you know, because everybody else, Daniel, uh, Daniel Day Kim's character was the cult scientist. Tony Collette's character, she's the leader. She has to do what's best for the entire crew. And she relayed that story about how like, she just went out to save that guy who was drowning and she didn't know what would happen. Right. Like, yeah, she didn't know if anybody was going to come save them, but a guy was drowning and it was her job. She had to do the right thing. She had to do the right thing. Um, I, yeah, you could read a lot of like allegorical stuff into this movie too. Like the idea of, uh, you know, um, people who are in positions of privilege, basically accepting a refugee. And what do you do with them? What do you do with the resources you have when things are incredibly limited? How does that define you? as a civilization, you know, because the civilization of that spaceship is for people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. Like I, I read a lot of things into this. It didn't, re- the movie I feel like didn't even really dwell on some of that stuff, but the idea that, yeah, there, there is a sense of like, no matter how much we science the shit out of space travel at the end of the day, there are human decisions we'll have to make and human sacrifices that, that will also tell the story, you know, of, of humanity and how, how incredibly we are. It's not just about the experiments you do on the other planet. 
Random side note, by the way, this is probably the only film we will see this year that doesn't have a single white dude in the film. Amazing. Um, so that's also uh, just your 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 thoughts on like this being an allegory for society in some way yeah. made me think of that. Um, yeah, I mean it's unique. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't help but uh, think about what that must feel like to go. Oh, you were doing your job, mm-hmm. and then you wake up, and now you're going to be gone for two years minimum. Yeah, yeah. man. Uh, oh, it's just, it's, it's actually, such a crushing. His freak situation. out moment is perfect. His freak yeah. out yeah. moment is great, and the trailer begins. With him waking up in the mm. in, in the sort of uh what do you call it stretcher, mm-hmm. and he wakes up in the stretcher and he kind of like stumbles his way to the window and then he's like, "Wait, did we take off?" and he starts freaking out and it's like, "Yeah, yeah, wow, yeah. what an like what an and at that point I stopped watching. I was like, "Okay, I'm I'm in." I yeah. of course you know as usual didn't know anything about it and I just. I loved that it never dipped into, you know, aliens are on the ship and there's a, a spore in the thing. And I just kept suspecting that we might be going there and it never did. And it's I, not like I that movie that. Life, you know, which was yeah. a thing we saw. I think we even reviewed. I have no recollection of it. I can't believe more people aren't talking about this movie because mm-hmm. it feels like a movie I should be hearing a lot of buzz about. Um, have you guys heard people not liking the movie or just if people aren't watching heard it. any bad things it's just like nobody knows this movie exists which is the yeah. problem with netflix you know i mean i guess it could it could be viewed as slow and uh uh you know kind of plodding but i did not feel that yeah, way at all yeah. i i thought it was i thought it was i was in from the word go yeah, i mean yeah. that intro that first sequence where you just sort of you know right up on the participants and Daniel Kim is puking and, you know, and you're just going through that. I just thought it was so cool. And, and I love the way, um, um, what's her, what's her bucket is, is like in awe and ha- just happy as mm-hmm. Daniel Kim is puking. It's, it's just great. It's just you great. You learn so much about those characters from both yes. the launch sequence and also them like landing and dealing with it too, because Daniel Day Kim's character is so woozy. He like, he can't even carry heavy things. So it's Anna yeah. Kendrick kind of doing a lot of the heavy lifting. It's like little things like that. that I, really I would totally be him by the way. Oh yeah. Like yeah. no amount of training would make me not be able to lose my lunch in that situation. It just, it just seems so impossible. Uh, yeah. And I think it's brilliant too, how, you know, it doesn't feel like a plot contrivance that uh, the captain is unable, like breaks her arm and is unable to, mm-hmm. you know, cause you would imagine in, in a situation where she's uninjured, she's the one doing the spacewalk or right. she's, you know, participating right. in all that stuff in a much more uh, direct way. And I think it smartly removes her and makes her have to make those hard decisions without the ability to actually, you know, put up or shut up type, you know, it's, it's it's just yeah. it's a well written script. I, I loved it. And baller that they could just three uh, D print a cast. Yeah, they three D print a cast as well. So, yeah. so rad. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right, those are our thoughts on Stowaway. It's streaming on Netflix right now. Be sure to check it out. That's going to take us to the end of this week's episode of the Slash Filmcast. You can find more episodes of this podcast at slashfilmcast.com. Email us at slashfilmcast at gmail.com. Our theme song comes from AdamWarrock.com. Our spoiler bumper comes from filmmaker and YouTuber Kyle Corwith. Be sure to check out his YouTube channel. This episode was edited by Beatty Zhang. Next week on the podcast, we are going to be discussing Those Who Wish Me Dead, new Terrell Sheridan movie that's going to be on HBO Max. Why, and, wait, why, are, we, why are we doing that one? <laughs> 
Dave, let's establish it, it right now. It's yes. true. It's because uh, it was voted upon by the fine folks at patreon.com slash film podcast. Yeah. Uh, the so patrons. thanks to all those. Yeah, they're deciding where we get to review. It's a, it's a side bonus of being part of the Patreon. Uh, feel free to support us over there at patreon.com slash film podcast. And for the After Dark, uh, Paper Tigers. Yes. We do Paper Tigers, uh, the uh, new Bao uh, Tran movie. Uh, and uh, I'm looking forward to talking about that in the After Dark as well. Um, so, uh, yeah, that is what is in store next week on the Slash Filmcast. We'll see you next week. We watch the movies, flicks, tracks for the good, bad, it's the Slash Filmcast. For all the news and the movies coming out, cause you know that it's the thing worth talking about. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.